I'm going to come out of the book of Ephesians and uh, chapter 5. And I'm going to read verse 15 and 16. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. Then I'm going to read it out of the King James Version. If you have it, say amen. It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. Every opportunity, making the most of it. Amen. The King James says it like this. See that when you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. I want to talk to you today about redeeming the time. Especially that word redeem. Um, before I continue with that, we also we know that from Hebrews 12 and 1, the Bible tells us to lay aside the sin and the weight that would so easily beset us. This is Wednesday night crowd, so I know y'all are not steeped in sin. I know you're not doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff, right? This is not the Sunday crowd. This is the Wednesday crowd. So I don't have to, to, to rebuke y'all, right? Amen. Don't have to rebuke you because you're here on Wednesday. But there's another word in that scripture that says the weight. Amen. And we can be weighted down. See, the devil knows he can't stop you. So if he can't stop you, then he's going to do the next best thing he can, which is to weigh you down, to try and slow you down. And life comes at us at a rapid pace. And we have to understand that weights have to be shed. In order for us to redeem the time, the weights that are in our life, we have to let them go. We have to figure out how to overcome those weights. Amen? Before, I even was, uh, before God even took me to the, uh, Ephesians, he took me to Leviticus. And so I was in Leviticus for a while. And, and if you look at the, the text in Leviticus, there's several things that stick out to me. Um, the word redeem is repeated um, over 18 times just in the first seven chapters. Redeem, it basically means that you pain to purchase something. There's a cost involved, amen? So in the Old Testament, what happened was every time there, there was actually seven or eight, depending on if you were a, a priest or not, sacrifices. There was the, the guilt offering, there was the sin offering, there was the burnt offering, there was the wave offering, there was the grain offering, there was the peace offering. There were all these offerings that one had to do. And depending on who you were or depending on what you had done, some of them were optional and some of them were mandatory. But they, there was a redemption. In other words, the priest had to redeem whoever it was through a cost of something. It cost them a, a lamb, a goat, a, 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 an ox, uh, some grain if you didn't have it. There was a cost involved. Amen. So anytime there is redemption or there is something to be redeemed, there is a cost. Amen. And so as I was looking at Ephesians, I noticed that when it said to redeem the time, there is a cost in order for us to redeem the time. Amen? 
It's, it's nice to say, oh, I'm going to redeem the time. It's nice to, to, to say, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm making the most of every opportunity is in the new uh, international version. Yeah, of course, we can throw around cliches and, and say, I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. But what does it cost to make the most of every opportunity? There's a cost involved in this thing. So we need to figure out what's the cost involved. Because if we're going to be obedient, then it's going to cost us something. Amen. And so you have to look at yourself and look at your life and each individual, we all have a cost. There's something that is weighing us down, all right? So if it's not sin, then it's a weight. If it's sin, then it's a sin. But whatever it is, there is something that is causing us to be not as productive, to be mediocre, or to be just completely unproductive in ministry, in life, or whatever it may be. So we have to look at ourselves. Is it the television? Is it the eight? Nine, ten different reality shows that you watch a week? Is it the eight, nine football or basketball games that you watch a week? So I got on the women, I'm going to get on the men too. Amen? What is it that's costing you the time that's costing you or using your resources so that you're not able to redeem the time? So that you're not able to be productive as God would want you to be? What is it? Think about that. I know in my own life, I've had to struggle with different things that take up my time. It might be sleep. I like to sleep in. I know God has said, wake up at a certain time. And I know that time is going to come every day. I don't want to pay the cost of waking up. I don't want to pay that cost. So I, what do I, sometimes I wake up, sometimes I don't. When I do, there is a blessing that comes throughout the whole, it's almost like God is just talking to me the whole day. Things seem to go smooth, problems do come, but the answers come right along with them. Stress, no. Problems, yes. Stress, no. But when I get up, when I feel like getting up, and I end up rushing out the house, no devotion, no prayer, nothing except for uh, a, a quick breakfast. I end up, I'm leaving something, I'm forgetting something. Something's happening to where my day is not going the way it should have gone, could have gone. Why? Because I don't feel like paying the cost to redeem the time. Amen. So what is your cost? Amen. What is it that God is speaking to you? He's telling you, I want you to redeem the time, but there's an object, there is something in the way that's causing you to be ineffective. What is it? And God is saying, I need you to get rid of that. No, it's, it's not going to be easy, and it's not necessarily going to be painless. But the reward is great because in the book of Leviticus, they had to slaughter the lambs. They had to slaughter the goats. It was costly. Not only did it cost money, I did a calculation, a rough calculation. Each bull was going to cost roughly two to $4,000, depending on what type of bull it was, where you're at. It could cost even a lot more than that, but that's a cost. So if you are a wealthy person, you came once, at least once a year, and you brought a bull. That's a big bull. And you didn't just bring any bull. You brought the best bull you had. Amen? You didn't just get the, oh, wait, that bull's about to die, so I'm just going to take that bull to the Lord. No, you brought your prize bull, your prize ox, your prize ram or goat or whatever it was. That's a cost, right? So there's a cost involved. Not only that. When you look at the book of Leviticus, I was going through there reading and reading. I realized that this took some time. I mean, it had to at least been an all-day, two-day, three-day ordeal. 
It was not something where you just come and you say, okay, here it is, and you go home. There was a process, and many times God would say, look, I want you to sanctify yourselves for three days, and then I'm going to speak to you. Amen. There was a cost involved, not so much so that not only was it a cost of time, it was also a cost of inconvenience, especially for some of the, the, the elders and some of the, the Levites. I mean, it was nasty. They, they were cutting the, these, these goats. They were cutting whatever animal it was, and then they had to take the blood, and Moses or Aaron had to dip it on the right ear, and he had to put it on the right foot. Come on now. That's not convenient. That's not convenient. But there was a cost involved in what was going on. So we have to understand that if we're going to redeem the time, if we're going to do what God says, it's going to cost us something, and it may not be comfortable. It may cost you some time. It may cost you some money. It may cost you some inconvenience. But we have to look at it and say, okay, all right, God, that's what you want me to do. That's what you want me to do. So I just want to talk a little bit about my progression in, in, in tithe and offering. This is going to, come, it's going to tie back in in a little bit, but God told me to, 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 to do this, so I'm, I'm going to do it. But when I first started tithing, it was, I was sporadic at it. I tithe one week, maybe this month, maybe I wouldn't tithe in the next month. Maybe I tithe two or three months in a row, and then maybe I would give five or ten dollars or a hundred dollars as I, you know, as, I, as I, I felt I had it. I would give it. But I realized that my life mirrored that. The supply and the, the, and the peace of mind and the income mirrored it. I mean, I would live from paycheck to paycheck, and then sometimes I would live from paycheck not have enough until the next paycheck come. And you know, you end up robbing Paul to pay Peter, or Peter to pay Paul. And then uh, the ministry I was under, because, uh, you know, this was a long time ago, I learned that, look, you've got to pay your tithe on a consistent basis. If you want to have a harvest on a consistent basis, you've got to give your tithe on a consistent basis. So then I started doing that. And then I read in the scripture, it says, uh, Malachi says, how do we rob God? Through tithe and, and offering. So I would just give him my tithe. But God was like, you can rob God even if you pay your tithes, but don't give your offering. Amen? So I was giving my tithe, but there was no offering. There's an offering required. And so then I got smart. I was like, okay, all right, an offering. So if, if to make math easy, if my tithe was 100, then I'd give $101. <laughs> hey, I'm obedient. I check off that box. I'm no longer disobedient. Amen? No longer disobedient. I didn't even tell people, like, hey, if you're going to give your tithe, make sure you give at least a dollar or at least, at least something in there. I don't care if it's 10 cents. Something in that offering when it's offering time. Pay your tithes and make sure you put something in there. Okay, so my life reflected that, though. So no longer was I trying to pay rent and trying to figure out how things was going to, you know, ends we're going to meet, I always had pretty much just enough. 
So when the next paycheck would come, I have $5 in the bank account, and the next check would come. And so then I was like, okay, wait a second. I don't really want to live from paycheck to paycheck. This thing is working to where when I'm skipping around, my money's funny. So now if I'm being consistent, I'm having just enough. So what if I give more? So then I started giving more. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to give more. So I've been giving more. I try to give up 20% of my income. It doesn't always, it doesn't always equate to that much, but it's well over 10%. And now I look back, and God was just showing me. He's like, okay, when was the last time you were struggling? I was like, you know, I haven't really struggled in that manner. Now, I struggled, but back in the day, I struggled because I had to go get uh, a payday loan. Anybody know what payday loans are? Yeah, when I wasn't paying my tithes, but every now and then, when I was out of money, I had to go get a payday loan. Or that's not nice. That's like, if you calculate it out, that's like 300%. Interest. That's 300%, some of them. Or I was calling dad up, dad, can I borrow some money? Can I borrow some money, dad? Can I borrow some money? But then, now that I've been paying my tithe and my offering, I still run across some hard times. But the difference is, and and this is Wednesday crowd, so some of y'all can relate. Now, I have some savings. I, I have some savings now. So when I run across a rough time, instead of calling Mr. Payday Loan or calling Dad, I log into my Chase account. I don't want to do it, but I transfer some money from my savings into my checking and keep rolling. Amen? Amen? Thank God that we're no longer, those of you paying your tithes, I know you, I know you can relate. Yeah, you run into some rough times sometimes, and you got to transfer some money from, you don't want to transfer any money from your savings. But thank God you got some savings to transfer some money from. Amen? Thank God you got some, trans- some money to do that. So this is just my little testimony about paying the tithes and the offering. Now, I, I'm attending a church that they, they have a lot of offerings, man. They got, <laughs> you can attest to it. They got a lot of offerings. The surge offering and, and the first fruit offering and and the regular offering, and the pastor offering, and this offering, and, and that. I mean, they, there's so many offerings. I'm just like, I'm about to change churches. This is too many offerings. I mean, I, I feel like I need to move to a church. I don't have this many offerings. This is too many. This, this is out of control, God. This, this can't be you. Can't be. I mean, every week there's another offering. Why? But then he took me back to Leviticus. There are at least seven offerings in Leviticus. He's like, y'all are spoiled. You're spoiled. We want to just give God one time, one thing, and be like, dude, did that, done. But in the book of Leviticus, they gave the burnt offering, and then they came and gave the guilt offering, then they had to come and give a sin offering, and then they had to come and give a peace offering, then they had to wave off. They had all these offerings. God was like, look, if I ask you to give it, then give it. So God may be asking you to do more than just one offering. Don't be surprised. But this is why why God needs you to give more. It's not so much so that you can benefit. That was just my testimony, but that's not the real reason. Um, I've recently, um, I'm enrolling in seminary, and it is, uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Amen. 
I'm also kind of worried about it. Um, I'm enrolling in the, the theology master's degree, and it makes no sense to me. 122 credits, and I only get a master's degree? That don't make any sense to me. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That's a, that's a whole undergrad degree, and then some. But I'm excited about it because I know the process is going to take me to, through a process where I'm going to learn a lot about what God wants me to do. And I'm going to learn a lot. So it's, 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 overall, it's exciting to me. Overall, it is exciting to me. Uh, but getting back to the offerings. Uh, so, so all these different offerings that God was, that, that this ministry I'm under is, is asking to give. I'm like, okay, God, what's really going on? But the real reason that we give our offering is not so that we can get. We give because God already loved us. So if we didn't get anything from God, if he didn't give, a, if, we, if we were broke the rest of our days, busted and disgusted, he's still worthy of the praise, the war, he's still worthy of our offering, he's still worthy of our gifts, regardless if we get anything back. The reason why we do it, though, if you look in the, in the text, if you look at the um, progression, if you read the, old, the whole Old Testament, you'll notice that the, the, the northern kingdom, which was Israel, got sold into slavery, and then the southern kingdom got sold into slavery. And the northern kingdom, they were just doing all the stuff that the Canaanites and um, all the, 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 the heathens were doing. Well, the southern kingdom got sold into um, slavery later. They were doing a lot of crazy stuff too. But one of the things that they did, and one of the things that God judged them for, was the lack of social justice. If you go to seminary, they're going to tell you this. And I, I, I went one night, and, and I was just there one night to test it out. And if you look at the, the, the scripture in its totality, you will notice that God cares for the poor. He says, feed the poor. Preach good news to the poor. He says, you give unto the poor, you're given unto the Lord. He will give back to you. See, the problem is, is as a church organization, as a church body worldwide, we have to be social agents. In other words, what I mean by that is if someone is struggling next to you and they've come into the church house and they're uh, run across hard times, they should not have to go to the government for everything they need. The church is actually designed to take care of the people who are struggling. We all run across rough times. We all run into hardships. And I'm not saying that the church is designed to be a hand-me-out. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is those who come to the church, those especially who are members of the church, who are participating in the church membership, there ought to be something for them so that when they run into a hard time, that they are not without. There ought to be some food. There ought to be some clothes. There ought to be some rent money in the church. In the church. That's what, that's what they said in Malachi. How do you rob me? Through tithes and offering. Then what was the result? Well, there's no food in the storehouse. He said, bring this, all the tithes to me so there's food in the storehouse. What God has done is he set up the church so that as the organization of the church, we can be a social agent and we can help those in need. James said like this. He said, uh, where is your faith? Yeah, show me your faith with my work, without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. Right? Uh, what good is it if uh, my brother comes to me and says, hey, I need some food, man. Uh, I'm, I run across some hard times. I need a little food. I, I, need, I need a little change. I need someone to pay my electric bill. And we say, oh, let me pray for you, brother. 
All right, hallelujah, and send him on his way. God is saying, that's not faith. That is not how the church is supposed to operate. We're supposed to say, okay, brother, you need some food? Come on, I'm, I'm going to take care of your meal. You need, you need some clothes? Come on, I'm, I'm going to come, I'm, I'm going to buy you some clothes. It's not that we just hand out cash to everybody. That's not what it's saying. But when the need is there, as a church organization, we have to be able to provide for those in need. So, are you paying your tithes? Are you paying your offering? Not so much so you can get or get or, or, or whatever. That's a nice benefit. That's just a benefit that God has designed into the whole entire system. But the real reason is because a church has to be an agent of change, not just spiritually, but also economically, also socially, so that when people are in the neighborhood, when the people behind this church run by this church, drive by this church, they say, okay, God is working in that church. I mean, how many of us know what the name of that uh, neighborhood is back then? I'm not asking, but how many of you know what the name of the neighborhood is? How many know what the streets, a couple street names? So we had to sacrifice. So this is what the, I'm, I'm tying this back into. When it says redeem the time, when it says make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, the days are evil. Somebody back there is struggling. Somebody in the houses or whatever it is back there, is hurt, they're hurting. They're looking for God somewhere. And until the church gets up and says, you know what, we're going to go be the social effect. We're going to expect our neighborhood. Then we are salt that has lost its savor. When folk can drive by the church and not even know it's here, that live in that neighborhood, then we have lost our savor. In other words, we are not providing any flavor. We're not providing any cure. We're not providing any agent of change for our community. It starts right here. It starts right here, and it starts right there. And it also starts by your obedience to giving your tithe and your offering. I'm going to close with this. My message is really over. But I've been praying. And this is just something that God put on my heart. Um, I see, when I was here at uh, Restoration Christian Fellowship, two things about Pastor Felix that I really love. One, he's organized. He's, he's organized. And that's a blessing because everybody's not organized. So I appreciate that. So I appreciate that. Um, and another thing is he means business. I mean, he is about his business. Amen? And so if something isn't working, he's going to get rid of it. If it's not, which makes sense. If it doesn't work, why, we, why, why do we have it? Amen? Why do we have things that are not working in the church? Let's go. Let's get rid of it. All right? And this is just something that the Lord spoke to me. He said that there's a, there's a, a, a tire. Um, I'm going to use a tire analogy, a car analogy. So you have uh, a BMW, M3 maybe, or something like that. <laughs> Some type of fast car. And on that fast car, you have to put a quality tire on it. Right? They have ratings. Z rating is the highest, and you have like a T rating, which is a lower rating. 
a T rating can only go 118 miles an hour. And the Z rating can go 149 miles an hour plus. Amen. And I, I was just praying in the spirit, and the Lord just put this on my heart, is that you may have some people in the church who are a Z rating tire. In other words, they're capable of going 149 miles an hour, but they might have a flat tire. Or they might have a patch, and they might need a patch. And so if there's a, a Z-rated tire that needs a patch or needs some air in it, then the solution, the remedy is to put the air in the tire or the patch the tire. Because you might go get a new tire, but that might be only a T-rating. And then when you get up to speed and you're trying to go 149, 170, 180 miles an hour, then that, 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 that T-rating tire is not going to be able to hang. So God said, keep your Z-rating tires. It don't matter if they're 50% used. That's still 50% more. Keep your Z-rating tires because God's going to get you back up to speed. I believe God's going to send people around you that can keep up with you. Everybody can't keep up with you. I believe God's going to put people around you who can keep up. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. He's going to put people around you who can keep up. And some people may be around you already, and it, it, it looks like they're not able to keep up. God's saying, no, just, just, just repair. 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 Hallelujah. Repair the tire. Put some air in the tire. And then you'll be able to get back up to speed. The other thing that God was speaking to me is organize, 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 organization. So you have the organization. God's going to put people around you that have like organization. He's going to give people skills that maybe they don't have the organizational skills. They're going to get some skills somehow or some way. Then after you organize, then you're able to prioritize. Okay, we got the organization, we got the right people, we got the air and the tires, hallelujah, and we got, the organ we got people who are organized, or have learned how to be organized, let's put it that way. Now we prioritize. Now the things that God has put in your heart to do, now we can go and begin to do that. And when you begin to prioritize, hallelujah, the next thing you'll be able to do is to maximize. You'll be able to maximize ministry because you organized, you prioritized, and then you maximized. Amen? I'm done. Hallelujah. Give God the praise and the glory.